Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I have called the study The Inside Story of a Down and Out. And if you think about Jonah, I think you'll see how it was that I came to this title. For Jonah saw the inside of a whale after he went down its throat, but in the mercy of the Lord, after three days, he was out. I have to tell you that it was while I was driving back from Lisbelal in 1967, near Caledon, on the old route that we used to follow before the motorway was opened, that I must have been thinking upon this book and upon this topic when into my mind there popped this title, The Inside Story of a Down Night. Well, I preached that message, I'm sure, I can't find the notes of it, it's that long ago, but I'm sure I preached that message in Lisbelal, way back then, that's what, 54 years ago. But it came back to me as I thought of what it was we should study in our assembly, now that we're back together. And I thought of the little book of Jonah. The story of Jonah and the whale is pretty well known, but the rest of the book is not that well known. And what is contained in the book and the lessons that we can learn from it, they're they're not really that well known. So I hope that we can put that right to some degree as we study the book together. All right, let's turn to chapter 1 and we'll read a few verses just at the beginning. Just three verses, starting at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But, oh, that's an important word, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's not a very good start to the story of Jonah. He's directed by the Lord, go north to Nineveh. And Jonah immediately got up and he went south to Joppa and got a boat that was heading way altogether from Israel. But that's only the beginning of the story. Today I want to really introduce you to Jonah and to his book. And we'll just take some little thoughts and set them before you. Now, right away in the opening verses, we saw that he was commissioned by the Lord to do a certain work. Verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came on to Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. I have a work for you to do in the great city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh as a city was the capital of a nation that really had in the past and later on after Jonah showed a hatred towards Israel. So the Lord was directing Jonah, we might say, into the camp of the enemy. And that explains, although we'll go into it in more detail later, that explains why Jonah did what he did. He wasn't unwilling to obey the Lord, generally speaking. He was a prophet. He was a servant of the Lord. 
But when given this particular task, oh, I'm not going to do that, Lord. I'm not going to do that. And so he disobeyed and ran away. The name Jonah. It's interesting to always study names, boys and girls. Have you ever studied your own name? Have you? Do you know what your name means? Think about it. Because you have your name not by your choice. It was given to you. And personally, I believe that in the great providence of God, the secret workings of God's will, we end up with the name that we have. And I feel oftentimes it carries a meaning, if not always. So have a think about your own name. Have a think about your own name, what it means. Don't think about it just now, because I want you to think about Jonah and his name. But maybe later on, you could ask at home what your name means. The name of Jonah, well, it means dove. A dove. You know, the wee birdie that, well, it's a sort of a cousin to the pigeon. A slightly more refined and better looking version of the pigeon. We have two doves come up to our house and very, very shyly and timidly fly down to where we have food out for the birds. They're very, very cautious. They'll fly up onto the corner of the roof and they can see me sitting in my chair and they look at me. Maybe that's not surprising. And they look at me and they look at me and maybe for ten minutes looking down before they finally flutter down. They've decided... He doesn't seem to have his gun today, so I think we're safe enough. Not that they would ever be in any danger from me, but they are very timid. And that's the name that God has here for his servant, Jonah. It means dove. Now, it's a most suitable name for a servant of God. You might think, well, being timid is hardly something that a preacher should be. But there is... A meaning in that name that should be reflected somewhat in the preacher's ministry and his witness. Listen to these words. You find them in Matthew chapter 10 and the verse 16. The Savior says to his disciples, to his apostles, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Harmless as doves. The dove never attacks any other bird, to my knowledge. Now, I have watched sparrows, fighting sparrows, and oftentimes any other bird that comes near them. And I've watched the goldfinches squabbling like mad amongst themselves. But the dove never squabbles. And God says to his servant, you must be as harmless as doves. Now, a servant of God is also a soldier, so he does have to fight But he doesn't squabble. He doesn't just fight with others for the sake of fighting. If he's going to fight, he's fighting the Lord's battle. And generally speaking, he has to be like a dove. Not seeking his own way or his own advantage amongst men. So, the name of Jonah is very suitable for a preacher. The sound that a dove makes is significant. Our doves up at the house waking me up every morning, almost to the minute, seven o'clock, cooing away, making that little cooing noise. Now, the noise of a dove has been likened unto someone 
mourning in sorrow, expressing sadness. Listen, again I turn to the word of God. Isaiah chapter 59 and the verse 11. We roar like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. Here's Israel in grief and sorrow because of sin. Uh, Sin always brings grief to those who engage in it. And God says, you sound like doves, that repetitive mournful sound that they make. And very, very often, the preaching of God's servant is like a dove. Because a preacher has so often to express sorrow. Express sorrow. Now, he preaches the good news. That's the message of the gospel. It's called the good news of salvation. But another element of a preacher's message is to mourn over the sins of the people to whom he's preaching. I'll turn to Jeremiah and quote from the great old prophet who had the the name of the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Chapter 9 tells us this. Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they be all adulterers an assembly of treacherous men, and they bend their tongues like bows for lies. But they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. That's the mourning of a preacher. Mourning over the sins of the people who have departed from God, disobeyed God, and are not walking in the truth and in the light of the gospel. So, yes, A preacher has good news to announce. But sadly, as he looks upon the world around him, his heart is grieved and broken, and he is to be as a dove, making the sounds of sorrow and grief and mourning. Let's notice something else about Jonah. We're told about his father's name. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. Let me tell you, and I've told you, oh, I think I can say hundreds of times, God never puts into the Bible something of no importance. I've often said that when you're asked to write a composition, I don't think they call them compositions now. Essays. There you are. That's progress. Well, when you're asked to write an essay, and you're given a subject upon which you have to write, I know you. You will stick in a lot of wee bits and pieces that stretch it out and fill up the page. And... I did the same, and my dad would have done the same, and his father, and right on back. But God never does that. He never puts into the Bible that which just fills up a page. Everything he puts in the Bible, he has deliberately put there for your information. Now, when we're given the name of Jonah's dad, God has a reason for doing so. And the reason lies in the meaning of his name. What does his name mean? His name means my truth, my truth. That's important. I think that for a man to bear that name 
he was giving out a good testimony and a good witness that what God said was truth and what's more, what God said was my truth. I embrace it. I make it mine. Have you ever made the gospel yours? Have you made what God said yours? Amitai had made God's truth his truth and he sought to live by it. And that tells us something of the upbringing and the atmosphere in which Jonah was raised. It's not surprising, therefore, that he's a servant of God when he had a father who was called my truth, my truth. Let's go a little further. Jonah is one of those books in the Bible that has been particularly attacked by the enemies of the Bible. I suppose that being swallowed by the wheel, as is recorded in this book, is one of those incidents above all of the incidents recorded in the Bible, that men love to laugh at. Ha! Swallowed by a whale. Couldn't be. And men would tell you things about the whale that they suggest would make it impossible for it to swallow a man. But boys and girls, it is enough that God says Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And I remember reading a long time ago of a party of seamen who were hunting whales. And if I can remember the story correctly, for so long time ago that I read it, if I remember the story correctly, one of the seamen, and they used to hunt whales in big long rowing boats. They would spear the whale, tie the rope to their rowing boat so that it was towed after the whale and they would follow it. And if they could put more harpoons into it, they would. But basically they followed it until the poor creature died. Then they would tow it back to the main ship. Well, on this occasion, one of the seamen fell out of the boat and was swallowed by the whale. And, well, the hunt proceeded. Wasn't much they could do for the sailor. And finally the whale died and they towed it back to the ship and hauled it on board. And then as they did with all whales, they began to cut it up. And when they cut it up, they found the sailor. And believe it or not, he was still alive. And that's recorded. I believe it is a true fact. And it's only an endorsement of the story of Jonah. Jonah was followed by a whale. Now, we know for sure that the story is true because the Lord Jesus Christ set, as it were, his mark upon this book. Listen to what we read in Matthew chapter 12 and the verse 39. Go to there. Matthew chapter 12, the verse 39. And listen to what the Savior has to say about the book of Jonah. Let me read it to you. 12, the verse 39. And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, that's the New Testament form of Jonah. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, end of the dispute, end of all argument, the Lord Jesus said, Jonah was in the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth? What happened to Jonah, the Lord Jesus says, was a picture of what will happen to me. For I will be slain 
and I'll be buried for three days and three nights. So the Savior sets his seal of approval. You know when the teacher marks your homework, I presume there's a little tick, and the tick indicates that's good, that's good. Well, God has put a little tick at the book of Jonah. The Lord Jesus marked it. It's true. It's right. You believe it. The theme of the book, and we will look at this, of course, as we go on in our study, but let me just tell you so that you can begin to think about it. The theme of the book is, first of all, the difficulties men face when the exceeding mercy and long-suffering of the Lord goes against what they would like to see happen. Why did Jonah run away? Now, you'll find a lot of views and a lot of notions proclaimed by men regarding why Jonah ran away. Oh, he was scared, they say. No, it wasn't that. Very simply, and you find it in the book itself, we'll come to it eventually, but Jonah ran away because he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. Go to Nineveh and preach the truth of God to that people who were the enemies of Israel? No! I don't want to do that. If you're sending me there with your message, it's your mind to be merciful to the Ninevites. And Lord, I don't want you to be merciful to the Ninevites. I want you to destroy them. That's why Jonah ran away. He didn't want to bring them a message of mercy and hope. And so he ran away and would not go. Now, men show that reluctance just the same as Jonah. Jonah wasn't an isolated case. When it comes to Peter, James, John, and all the rest of them, you remember how the last words of the Lord Jesus was to them? Begin at Jerusalem and go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the apostles didn't really want to do that. And the early believers among the Jews didn't want that to be done. And so you find in the New Testament quite an argument going on about whether or not the gospel should be taught to the Gentiles. They didn't want the Gentiles to hear the gospel. They they didn't like the Gentiles. They hated the Gentiles. And they didn't want the Gentiles to share in the love and mercy of God. So that there was, even in the hearts of good men like Peter, James and John, at the beginning, at the beginning, they changed their attitudes. But at the beginning, there was this reluctance. Peter got himself into trouble when he went to the house of a Gentile called Cornelius. And preach the gospel. Well, what are you doing going there? And you, you read about it in the Acts of the Apostles. Because there is in our hearts that old animosity. And we don't want God to be kind to those we don't like. And we're reluctant to go to those we don't like with the gospel. And that's what was the problem for poor old Jonah. And it was a problem that was seen also in the lives of the Apostles. There is set forth in the book of Jonah a picture of the Savior's atoning death. I've mentioned that. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so I'll be three days and three nights in the grave. So Jonah pictured for us the Savior's wonderful atoning death. And because Jonah was going to Gentiles, tens of thousands of Gentiles in the city of Nineveh, you have a picture of the future opening up of the gospel to the world of the Gentiles that took place in the days following the death of our Savior. That's found in the book 
of Jonah. One other thing, because time's gone. Like the Savior, and there was a likeness to the Lord Jesus in the life of Jonah, but here's one particular likeness. Jonah was a Galilean. He came from Galilee. Do you remember what the Jews said in John chapter 7 and the verse 52? There's a bit of an argument going on between the leaders of the Jews and old Nicodemus. Do you remember the man who came to Jesus by night? He's beginning to feel the power of the Savior's words. And when men were plotting to kill the Savior, he sort of timidly spoke up and said, Is it right to do that? Is it right to do that? And the response of the others among them who were pushing for the Savior to be killed. We read John chapter 7, the verse 52. Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? That's what old Nicodemus was saying. Is this right? For us to be planning to kill Jesus Christ. And they answered. The leaders of the Jews answered and said. Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look for out of Galilee. Ariseth no prophet. That shows the ignorance of God's word. Of those leaders. Because Jonah came from Galilee. Jonah came from Galilee. When you don't know the Bible. You can make the most serious mistakes in life. Because they didn't realize there was a prophet who had come from Galilee. Jonah. They were thus saying, this man Jesus comes from Galilee and no prophet has ever come from that place. Therefore, he's not a genuine prophet. You can make big mistakes when you don't know your Bible. That's why we urge you boys and girls to study your Bible. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, bless your word to the boys and girls. May good come of us, we pray. And may they learn from this little book, the will of God for them, and the kindness of God toward unworthy sinners, of which we all belong. Bless the school. Take care of it, Lord, and O oh God, meet its every need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.